once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. There's a meme going around the internet which attempts to condense the Bible into God repeatedly telling us not to do the things while we continue to do the things. The things in this case are sin, but there are other things we can do that glorify God. So let's do those things instead. Teaching team member Bob Cargo brings us this message entitled, Why Do Good in the Name of Jesus? Thank you for joining us today. What a tremendous Sunday this is. Uh, uh, I was in the early service, so I know the announcement that Rainey was going to make uh, is going to make to you. But, you know, whatever that announcement is, I knew uh, going into this, it's just an exciting day to see God's faithfulness. It's an exciting day to see how God has moved his people to be faithful. Uh, it's, it's exciting to think about all the good that will be done in part because God has given us the grace of giving. And that's not patting ourselves on the back. It is God who gives us the grace uh, to give anything and everything at all. So I don't know if you're excited about today and appreciative, but you know you should be because this is a tremendous day in the life of our church. You know, when you stop and think about it, every action, whether it's a good action or a bad action, has a what, a how, and a when. A what, a how, and a when. But there's another question about good deeds and good actions that often skips right by us. We're not even really aware of the answer to it. But the answer to this question really gives us an insight into the deepest longings and desires, uh, desires of our hearts, I think. The answer to this question sometimes can tell us, in fact, the secret of our hearts. And I think the answer to this question reveals, in fact, where true spirituality resides. So regarding good words and good deeds, there's the, the what and the how and the when, but the question we often don't consider, and maybe the most important one is why. Why do good? Why all in? After all, all in has been an endeavor to financially do good. So today's sermon is a sermon about a fundamentally important question for our hearts and our lives. It's the title of today's sermon, and it is this, why? Why do good in the name of Jesus? Why have a campaign like this? Why go about doing what we do as Christians? I want you to stop and think about it for a moment. Almost every world religion... Almost every worldview, and even the worldviews that claim not to be religious, even the worldviews that claim not to be a view of faith, do have faith. They're putting their faith in something or someone. And most of those worldviews, most of those religions do believe in some way in doing good. So here's the question. Is our reason for doing good different than their reason for doing good? Is there such a thing as a distinctively Christian reason to do good? I think there is. And that's what we want to explore today. But first, right up top, I want to give you this caveat. One of the reasons as Christians that we do good is simply that we love people. We believe that every single person is, has dignity and worth because every single person is made in the image of God. And that reason for doing good is a distinctively Judeo-Christian reason to do good. It is foundational. It is important. It is significant. We do good because we care. In the New Testament, as we're going to see, Jesus, when he looked out at the people of Israel 
And he saw how they were broken, they were downcast and in distress, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It says he was moved with compassion. So if we are followers of Jesus, we're going to start loving people like Jesus did. If we're followers of Jesus, we're going to begin to care. Because we see in the brokenness of other people our own brokenness. And we want to give them mercy because we have been recipients of the mercy of God. But today we want to look at an even deeper, more foundational causal reason. In fact, it's the reason that we've been changed into being compassionate people. It's the story of the universe that has compelled us to enter the stories of broken, hurting people and care about them. Here is a distinctively Christian reason to do good. It's the big idea of today's message. You've got it in your insert, and here it is on the screen. We do good for this reason. The coming kingdom of Jesus is arriving now. It's a kingdom of healing and joy. We do good in word and deed in order to announce and illustrate that the kingdom of Jesus is living, breathing, and real. We do good to celebrate Jesus as king. We do good because we love people, but we love people because there's a different, a, even a deeper reason. It's because of the kingdom of God invading our hearts and changing us that we would care for them because he cares for us and he cares for them. There are three parts of our a message today. I know when I hear a sermon, I want to know where are we going in the sermon. Here's where we're going, three parts. First of all, the central truth seen in the scriptures, we'll look briefly at three passages. Secondly, examples here and now that we can celebrate in and through Perimeter Church. And lastly, so what? So what? How am I supposed to respond? So the central truth in the Bible, examples here and now by God's grace in and through our church. And lastly, so what? How should we respond? First of all, let's consider the central truth of the scriptures. Three passages we're going to look at briefly that all illustrate this central path, this central idea. The coming kingdom of Jesus is arriving now. And it's a kingdom of healing and of joy. Now notice first, in the first passage we'll see, we're going to see the arrival and the announcement of the kingdom. The arrival and the announcement of the kingdom. We see that in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Follow with me as we read. Mark says, after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This was the first message Jesus preached. And this was the central message he preached for three years, the message of the kingdom of God. It's like Jesus was saying to the Israelites, you're wanting the kingdom of God to come? Well, I'm here. <laughs> and because I'm here, the kingdom is here. The kingdom has come in a whole new powerful way. And it's a good kingdom. It's good news. So repent, turn from your other idols, believe in this good news. The fact that Jesus first announces this Good news kingdom in Galilee is not by mistake. You see, the Galileans were fiercely nationalistic, prideful people. And the Galileans were usually the first targets of invaders that would come from the north. Galilee was at the northern part of Israel. And almost every country that invaded Israel invaded from the north. 
So the Galileans represented the people of God in defeat, in, in slavery, in brokenness, in bondage. And so Jesus comes to Galilee first and says, a new kingdom is here, but it's a kingdom of healing and joy and freedom. And Jesus announces it right there. The arrival, the announcement of the kingdom. Second passage today, in Matthew chapter 10, we see an example of the healing and the power of the kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is one of healing, it's one of power, and there are lots of examples of this in the New Testament. But in Matthew 10, we we see Jesus sending out his 12 apostles, and we see a beautiful example. Here's what it says, Matthew 10, 5 through 8. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go on this journey to the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. At the end of Matthew 9, it's when we see that classic passage where Jesus sees the brokenness of the people around him and he has compassion because they're like sheep without a shepherd. That's the end of chapter 9. So here in the beginning of chapter 10, Jesus sends out his 12 on their first missionary excursion. Later, the Gentiles and Samaritans would be included, but not on this missionary excursion. This time he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Go and proclaim the kingdom. And then he gives them the power of healing even the power of raising people from the dead and casting out demons. What in the world are these miracles all about? Well, those miracles of the physical healing of people's bodies was only to illustrate the healing of our souls that comes by faith in Jesus. We go from spiritual death to spiritual life when we put our faith in Jesus. But it also illustrates that when Jesus comes back again, he will make everything right, physically and spiritually. In fact, we talk in our tradition here that the kingdom of God is already and not yet. It has already come in some ways. It was inaugurated when Jesus first came, but it is not yet. The consummation of the kingdom doesn't happen until Jesus returns. And then we see the kingdom in full. Just this morning when a group of us prayed before the early service backstage, I was reminded of a verse in Revelation that says, when Jesus returns, it will be for the healing of the nations. Wow, I love that. In other words, when Jesus comes back again, all nations will be healed. The whole world will be what it was created to be in the first place. That's what happens when he returns. But when he first came, it started the ball rolling. And those miracles were, in a sense, clustered at the first coming of Jesus. Why? Because those miracles illustrated that the kingdom of God is about healing, it's about freedom, it's about joy, and it's a kingdom that has power. When it comes to this issue of miracles, I love the way that C.S. Lewis, that great British scholar earlier in the 20th century, this is the way he put it. Now, I don't have it on the screen. You'll have to listen closely. He says, the miracles are in fact a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the universe in large letters. I like that. The miracles are the retelling in small letters of the story of the universe that is written in large letters. But he goes on to say, letters too large for some of us to see. How insightful. How insightful. The kingdom of God is alive. It's real. 
It changes hearts. It brings joy. It brings healing. And Jesus says in this passage, literally, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. It's here. So in Mark 1, we see the arrival and the announcement of the kingdom. In Matthew 10, we see an example of the, joy, of the power and the healing of the kingdom. In the book of Acts, we see the kingdom expanding. We see next the expansion and joy of the kingdom. Let me set this up for you. In the book of Acts, we see the gospel going beyond the Jews. It goes to people of every race. It is expansive. And in the book of Acts, we see it going to Samaritans and then to Gentiles. And in Acts chapter 8, we see an interesting story. A Christian leader by the name of Philip, of Philip is instructed by God to do, go to a road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. When he goes there, he encounters an Ethiopian. He sees a man in a chariot. It's obvious by the chariot and the whole entourage that this is a very important man. As he comes closer, he finds out that this man is a government official. He's been made a eunuch in order to serve the king of Ethiopia. And as he comes closer to the chariot, he hears that this Ethiopian man is reading out loud from the Bible. He's reading from the Old Testament. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And we pick up the story in Acts 8, 32. This is what it says. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip, was, Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. But, and this is a key part, but the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Now, I want you to notice, it's a kingdom of joy. When this Ethiopian believed that Jesus was the Lamb of God who died to take away his sins, he went on his way rejoicing. I also want you to notice here, this is a kingdom of inclusion. Do you see here the expansion of the kingdom? This man was not Jewish. He was Ethiopian. And God accepted him and Philip accepted him. The book of Acts, the book of the New Testament, is how the gospel goes to people of every race and makes us one. It goes throughout the world. This last week, I had a brief meeting with an old friend of mine who's an attorney and a leader in his church. And as we talked about our children's lives and what was going on with them, and for reasons I won't take time to connect the dots, he made this statement. He said, race is the huge problem to be solved in American society. It's the elephant in the room. I think he's right. I also heard recently a leader of U.S. missions make this statement. He said, lack of racial reconciliation is the 8,000-pound gorilla that is prohibiting the gospel transformation of American cities. I think he's right as well. The joy of the kingdom, the expansion of the kingdom. Do you see here the beauty of the kingdom? The arrival and the announcement of the kingdom. Jesus says, I'm here, the kingdom is here. The healing and the power of the kingdom, it makes things right in our hearts. Someday it will make everything right. 
and the expansion of the kingdom for the whole world and the joy of the kingdom. It is for the joy of the nations. What are we trying to say today? We're simply saying this. The coming kingdom of Jesus is arriving now. It's a kingdom of healing and joy. And we do good in word and deed to announce and to illustrate that his kingdom is alive, it's breathing, it's real. We do good to celebrate Jesus. You know, later in the service today, we will celebrate the goodness of God with the gifts of God's people of what has been pledged. That is a lot to celebrate. But underneath that, what do we do? We celebrate Jesus as our king. He is the reason for all of that. Now, some of you may be wondering this, Bob, how does this really relate to my life? You've already really bored me to tears here with, you know, Mark and Matthew and Acts and this story and that story and Bible stuff. How does this relate to me? Let me try to connect the dots for you. Recently, we had in our church here a Life on Life missional discipleship clinic. At the end of that clinic, Bill Wood, one of our staff leaders, came in front of the group and gave us an exhortation. He gave a charge to us, so to speak, and what Bill said really resonated with my heart. I'll try to quote him. i try to write it down quickly. I don't know if it's word for word, but pretty much this is what Bill said. He said, you are called to something that matters forever. You are called to something bigger than yourself. And then he said, I think he's so true, people are drowning in their own stories. People are drowning in their own stories. But God is calling you and God is calling me to be a part of something that's bigger than our little stories. And in fact, something that makes our story a story that counts forever because it's part of the big story. I think that Bill is so right. We live narcissistic lives Like in the story of the Good Samaritan, we're like the people who pass by the man who has been beaten up by thieves, and we use our time and our energy and our money primarily, almost exclusively, for our own agenda and our own interest. And you know what? I understand that. I really do, because without the grace of Jesus, every day I'm an unbelievably self-centered man. And I can even take the things of God and twist them into something that's about me instead of about Jesus and other people. I understand that. We become narcissistic. But God is calling us outside of ourselves. It is when we become focused on a broken world that the church becomes the church. It's when we become focused to serve those in need because of the kingdom of Jesus that we see the power and joy and healing come true. Let me give you a picture of what I'm trying to say about the the first coming of Jesus and the second, the arrival of the kingdom and the consummation of the kingdom. And I'll give you an analogy with this question. When was World War II won by the allies in Europe? Well, officially, that victory was consummated in May of 1945 on VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. In May of 1945 is when the Axis powers surrendered to the Allies and all the fighting was over. But in another sense of the word, the victory was gained on D-Day in June of 1944 because that was a decisive victory. They made all the difference and turned the tide. My friends, D-Day 
is like the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the crucial victory. VE Day is like the return of Jesus when everything, when all the fighting is over and the victory is consummated. Now let me paint this picture for you. Between D-Day and VE Day, the Allied forces marched east. Now in this case, the analogy breaks down because there was not a king and it was not a kingdom. But as the Allied forces marched east, what did they bring with them? They brought freedom, they brought the beginning of healing, and they brought unbelievable joy for all those that they liberated. My friends, when you and I do good in the name of Jesus, we are advancing the kingdom of freedom. We are advancing the kingdom of healing. We are advancing the kingdom of joy. And we do good because he has come and he is coming again. And his kingdom makes all the difference. How does this apply to you? Do you want to be something bigger than your little life? Do you want to be part of something that matters forever? That is what God is calling you to do. And today in this announcement, we are celebrating that by God's grace, he is letting us be a part of his kingdom that will change the whole universe one day. Now, what does that really look like? Let me give you some examples, some examples that we can celebrate, some examples that we can rejoice over, examples of how God has allowed the kingdom to spread through us and how it's happening now. I think there are really four categories of how we do good in the name of Jesus. First of all, we speak the gospel. We speak the good news and call people to repent and believe. Secondly, we serve them. With our hands, with our money, with our bodies, with our time, we find out their needs and we seek to meet those needs. We serve them. Thirdly, we do our day jobs for the glory of God. Whatever God has called you to do in your vocation, do it by faith in Jesus. Do it for the healing and joy of other people. And lastly, we give financially. And as we give financially, it's a way to enable those other three things to happen in a greater degree. You know, we have a lot to celebrate here in our church. First of all, just think about the conversions. People who come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, one of the great joys I have as a pastor of this church is to meet many of the members. And I tell you what, I am absolutely amazed at the number of people who have come to faith in Jesus through the ministry of Perimeter Church. Person after person after person that I meet. This last ministry year... 115 people came into our church by profession of faith in Christ, and 100 came in by reaffirmation of faith. Reaffirmation of faith, And I would dare say to you, the great majority of those people first came to trust Jesus here. Wow. Every one of those conversions means this. The coming kingdom of Jesus is arriving now, and it's a kingdom of healing and joy. Every story is wonderful and unique. It could be the, like the story of Warren. Warren grew up in an atheistic family who was proud of his scientist dad. And he believed that Christianity was a crutch for people that were really weak. And that's what he continued to believe until a crisis came to his own life by twins for he and his wife who died the day after their birth. That awakened his real existential need for God. He was invited to come here. He came to an inquirer's class here in our church. He began to meet with Randy and talk about the gospel. Later, he read the book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and he was converted. And he's been a servant leader in our church for many years. Warren's story is a story that says, the coming kingdom of Jesus is arriving now, and it's a kingdom 
of healing and of joy. It could be a story like the story of Lamar. Lamar was raised in a Christian family, so to speak, a religious family anyway. And in his family, however, he got the idea that it was by being good that you could be saved. Well, he continued on thinking that, and he showed up here at our church in his 40s, still very, very empty. Here he understood for the first time the gospel of grace. It's not by works, it's by grace. He trusted Christ. God changed his life. And he continues to serve in this church as one of our leaders and as an architect. Uses the talents of his own and of his firm, often to bless churches and organizations that need to be served. Lamar's story is a story that says the kingdom of God is here. It's a story of and a kingdom of healing and joy. You know, maybe you want to be one of the people here who could tactfully, lovingly explain the good news of Jesus to other people. And so let me encourage you, the next time Randy offers to express your faith, take that weekend course. You'll be glad you did. When people are converted, it's an example of the story of the kingdom of healing and joy. Also, we expand this kingdom of healing and joy when we serve people in need. It's already been mentioned in the announcements, so but let me say it again. When you leave today, I hope you'll pick up one of these. It's a holiday serving guide. And in this serving guide, you will find over seven pages of opportunities, about 15 organizations that we partner with, and over 40 opportunities of how you can serve people in need between now and Christmas. The easiest, December 6th, the Family Serve Day. But I want to make this point, that we hope that you will take part in these short-term service opportunities so that as a lifestyle, many of you will begin serving those in need. Today we can celebrate the story of people like Leslie. Maybe you'll become like Leslie. Leslie is one of our members. Through the ministry of our church, she heard about a ministry called Beacon of Hope. It's a ministry that seeks to help women who are in crisis because of an unplanned pregnancy. When she heard about Beacon of Hope, her heart was moved. She just knew God was calling her to serve the women in need to go to that ministry. And her initial response to that sense of call was fear. And that fear was there because of a sense of inadequacy. What could I do that would be of help to them? But she obeyed God. She began to serve and she's been serving for years. And her testimony is, I am the one that is being blessed tenfold. How would God cause you to serve? You know, the truth of the matter is this. When we extend mercy to people, we do it. Because we need mercy and we have found it in Jesus and we are just like them. The kingdom of God expands when we share the gospel. It expands when we serve people in need. It also expands just when we do our day jobs by faith in Jesus and with an eye to people's healing and joy and blessing. We talked about that a lot in our church in the last two years. That every calling is a calling of God if you carry it out by faith. And perhaps your story would be like the story of one of the attorneys in our church. One of the reasons he went into law was he heard a presentation from the International Justice Mission Organization about the need for justice to be done for the oppressed. And so he's become an attorney. He's a prosecuting attorney. And one of the reasons he feels called to his job is simply this. He says, as I seek justice for the oppressed, prayerfully it reveals God's mercy and love. And he is hoping especially that his talents and abilities and calling as an attorney can be used to stem and push back the sex trafficking in our country. 
That's a great calling. Let me ask you, in your job, how can you do it by faith in Jesus? doesn't matter what it is. How can you do it for the healing and joy of other people? That's a way of extending the kingdom. And then lastly, fourthly here, the kingdom also expands as we give financially. You know, today we are celebrating God's goodness to us that we could make pledges of financial gifts. And you need to know that through your giving through this church for many years and through your giving in this campaign, people are going to be blessed. The kingdom of joy and healing and freedom is expanding because we're willing to be obedient and write checks. Randy's announced all kinds of exciting initiatives that are going to come with this new all-in campaign. I can't wait to see how those ideas turn into reality. And good will be done for the glory of Jesus because God has moved us to serve other people by sacrificial financial giving. We've had a lot of campaigns through this church. And those campaigns for a good number of years now have in part gone into a fund called the Kingdom Investment Fund. About $4 million of this campaign will go into the Kingdom Investment Fund. And that Kingdom Investment Fund gives grants to community outreach ministries like the ones that are listed right in here. Kingdom Investment gives grants to global outreach partners and campus outreach ministries. And it also goes to church planters because that's the part of our ministry I know best. I can celebrate that very easily. Because of your faithful giving in and through this church, let me introduce you to just a few of the church planters that have been blessed by your generosity. First of all is Dan Rogers. This is a picture of Dan and his elders and pastors and their wives. Dan is in Dorchester, Massachusetts, part of Boston. And Boston is a very diverse, as you can see here in the picture, a very diverse place that is greatly impoverished. And because of God, in part, has been faithful to work through you toward Dan, his church is seeing conversion after conversion, and it is a blessing, a blessing to the people of Dorchester, Massachusetts. Besides Dan, there's also Felipe Assis. Felipe is the, the, the planter of sort of a replanted church in Miami, a Caucasian church that was about to die because of the changes demographically around Miami. But Felipe, who is Brazilian, was called to be a pastor of a new church in that same old building, and now there is a thriving congregation of hundreds of people, almost all of whom are Hispanic, 1.5 or second generation Latinos in South Florida, a vibrant gospel community. And God gave us the blessing in part to be a supporter of what Felipe Assis has done. Mike Kelly is the network director of the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest Church Planting Network. This is not Mike, but this is one of Mike's planters. He leads the network. This is one of the pastors. And you see this pastor baptizing this convert in the Pacific Northwest. And in my opinion, the two parts of our country that are the darkest in terms of the gospel would be New England and the Pacific Northwest. And we have the privilege of helping to fund a network that is planting one church after another and people are being converted that have never understood even the basics of the gospel. There's also Brian Buck, or excuse me, before Brian, Stephen and Bradford Phelan. Stephen and Bradford grew up here in the South, but God called them to San Diego to plant a multi-ethnic church. 
They planted in a part of San Diego that goes right down the middle of a, of a main road. On one side is affluent and Anglo. On the other side is poor and Hispanic. And they have planted a church, he and a Latino pastor, that has brought reconciliation to that community. One convert after another of people with the craziest, wildest stories. Stephen and his ministry have brought in campus outreach there to minister to the college students of that community. And it's a ministry in a church that not only focuses on mercy and justice, they are training people in evangelism and discipleship in a very exciting way. Then there's Brian Buck and his family. Brian was actually involved in our church as a layman, as a businessman. God called him to be a pastor. He went to a seminary in Orlando and then came back to Atlanta, Atlanta to be an assistant pastor for one of our church plants, City Church Eastside. And now he and his wife and Amanda, Amanda are planting in Portland, Oregon. I wish you could hear the stories that he has of sharing the gospel with one friend after another and serving that community to plant a church that focuses on the gospel. And then lastly here, Bart Garrett. Bart was uh, on our staff. What a silly picture of his family. I said, send a picture of you and your family. This is what we get. <laughs> Bart's kids were so little when he was here, they're growing up. But Bart went from here to plant a church in Berkeley, California. God is blessed in a tremendous way. And I would dare say there is no other evangelical church touching Berkeley like that church. And God has enabled us through your financial giving to help them do good and spread the gospel in Berkeley. It's a powerful story. All of these ways are celebrating what God does when we give. Now, hopefully, hopefully, you are going beyond financial giving and doing good. But let me tell you this. I know of no other way that better calibrates and recalibrates our hearts to God's kingdom than to give financially. When we do that, something gets set right. The last question of the day is simply this, so what? So what, how do we apply this? Two quick applications, quickly in only two or three minutes. First of all, to those who are seekers. If you're here wondering about Christianity, is it true or not, I would say seeker, repent and believe, be a recipient of this powerful healing kingdom and as king. Maybe as you've been here today, you've been a person that could be described as just simply tired in your soul. Your heart is tired. Your soul is tired. You're about to give up hope in many, many ways on a deeper level than anyone would ever imagine. And as you've heard this sermon today, your question has been, Bob, could this healing and freedom and joy come to me? And my answer is yes. Believe today that the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Repent, that is turn away from your self-rule and turn to the rule and lordship of Jesus and then believe, throw your faith totally upon Jesus and his cross and resurrection that that would bring you forgiveness and reconcile you to God and start to change your heart. Seeker, repent and believe. Let this kingdom come to you with all of his power and healing and joy. And then number two on application, believer. Repent and believe, keep repenting, keep believing, keep being a recipient of joy and healing and power, but also serve in word and deed. As I've already listed, serve by telling the gospel, serve by rolling up your sleeves and helping people, serve by financial giving, serve by doing your day job for Jesus and by faith, but be both a recipient and a servant messenger of this powerful healing kingdom and his king. 
I need to tell you this. I heard this recently and I think it's so true. There is such a thing as a half-baked American version of the gospel that is not the gospel at all. And it's a half-baked version of the gospel because it is a gospel that wants to have the status of the gospel without the responsibilities of the gospel. It's a gospel that says, I want to be a child of God and born again and going to heaven and have God love me and all that stuff. But I don't want to take any of the responsibilities that come with the status. Reject that false gospel. Instead, receive and believe that God calls you to be a servant messenger because that's where the joy is found. And as you do, you're going to see that healing and power and joy increase in your life. That's what it's all about. One last question is this. One last question. How is it that Jesus became this gracious, powerful king? What did Jesus' D-Day victory look like? I know of no better way to tell you than to read to you from that very same passage in Isaiah that Philip, that Philip explained to the Ethiopian. Here, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. About Jesus, it says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, and he was, but he was, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are what? By his wounds we are healed. We are healed. What powerful, joyful news. What a price he paid for our healing, for our joy, for our freedom. The truth of the matter is this. None of us live these lives of servant messengers like we should. I don't. You don't. None of us do. And so we need the forgiveness of Jesus that comes to the cross. Go to that cross for the forgiveness of how you failed. Go to that cross for the power to be what God has called you to be. And as his kingdom spreads through us, he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory for all in. And he gets all the glory for everything else that happens. Amen. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your goodness and your grace. We are people who have needed your mercy, who have needed your kindness, who have needed your healing and your power, and we continue to need it every single day. Lord, work through us that we would extend that kingdom. And Lord, we thank you that by your grace, we've been able to celebrate today, we are able, of what you're doing in us through all in. May you receive all the glory and praise, and may your kingdom expand all over the world because you've called us to serve them this way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, thank you, Bob. I always feel secure when Bob is in the saddle. So thank you very much. Well, this is our opportunity now to kind of give you the results of our all-in that we've been working so hard for so long. Let me uh, kind of set it up this way. I, uh, I've been often asked, well, what would you do if you weren't a pastor? And uh, I don't know the answer to the question, but often I, I think my most uh, common answer is that I, I think I'd like to be a developer uh, in a good economy. I'd like to be a, a developer. And uh, there's a sense in which what we are all doing is we are all a part of developing and very appropriate, the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. We're seeing the kingdom of God come 
in us and through us and we're developing the kingdom. Well, as the church expresses that development project, there's uh, various aspects. There certainly is the design where you want to design what is it you feel you need to be focused on in the development. And we've been doing that. We've done that now for all these many, many, many times that you've been invited to come to different groups and uh, do the vision awareness where we could show you the design. Now, keep in mind what we shared was the nine new initiatives that we're talking about for the coming years. But we have to add that to the 200 to 250, whatever the number of different ministries that are part of this church that are ongoing. So we have our regular budget, and then we have our new initiative budget that uh, we talk about the all-in as we've been talking. So anyway, to kind of put all that in perspective, we've now, we've now done the uh, fundraising for that. And uh, you should be very encouraged because uh, not only do we have the largest attendance by far, I mean, way, way, way beyond anything we've ever had in coming to the vision awareness uh, to see and hear what we're doing in the coming years, uh, but the, uh, the number of people that have uh, been a part of this has exceeded anything we've ever done. I think it was 21% of those that uh, are part of this church, and, and we're thankful it's not larger than it is. We have people in the church that haven't been giving, and 21% of those that haven't been giving in the past have already indicated giving. We're expecting many more to add to that. So uh, that's been highly encouraging. Only we know individually what God's been doing in our hearts, but I've heard incredible stories. So now we've, we've done that part. And here's what we've got. We have a, uh, for our budget over three years, right at 50 million, and that covers the three years of our regular operating budgets and so forth. The new initiatives that we're launching, the things that we're doing over the next years, and many of you, most of you have heard all of that now, uh, that was a $25 million. If you put all of our pledges together right now, we're at 77 million. So that's come two above what we initially had, had targeted. At the same time, we keep in mind that that includes, this year we've done the faith promise, and we know that faith promise is not a given. Uh, over the past two years, as we've done a two-year all-in prior to this one, uh, we've been highly encouraged that the giving has come in right on hand with what's been pledged through the years. So it's been, and we expect that to happen again. With faith promise, it's a little bit different. We don't know, and so we would expect that there'll be only a percentage of that. Uh, we think a high percent, but you'll have to discount that a little bit. Does that take us... Uh, two or below that number, only time is going to tell. But we're really hoping and encouraged that many of those who have not yet indicated their participation will do so. Obviously, this kicks off at the first of the year. People can start giving to this prior to the end of the year. We know th uh, that. But, but that's really the beginning. It's a year three calendar years that we're doing. So we're very, very encouraged. And we think perimeter, well done. Uh, I think you've done a great job. So we've done the fundraising portion, at least most of it now. And I think we'll be able to do most all the initiatives that we have in hand. But uh, now the part that comes is the hardest part. And that's you've got to build it. You can design it, you can fundraise for it, but you've got to build it eventually. And that takes laborers, and that's going to be the body of Christ here. <clears throat> and we're going to have the privilege over the next three years to labor, to bring God's kingdom to bear upon this world in a very special way. I am personally convinced, I believe this with all my heart, I think these next three years are going to be the greatest years in the history of this church. When you see everything that you've seen and what we've planned, we would have every reason to believe that because by God's grace, out of the 11 previous, what we call our ministry and campus development projects, we've seen all of them come about. Yeah, we've really not fallen 
uh, from any of those. And so God's been so gracious to let us kind of get a good picture and to have a great team to work toward it. We would have every reason to believe that what you heard in vision awareness should become reality. Let's pray to that end. Let's work to that end. And I just say to you, best church I've ever seen. Way to go. Happy, excited to be a part of it. Amen. Let's pray. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the good news. And uh, we pray, Father, that as you've used us, we know that the bigger issue that we have faced throughout this whole process is not an amount of money, but an amount of work of faith in our hearts. And I pray for all of us who've started a faith journey, those that have extended a faith journey, that you might bless royally what we've committed to do. And for those of us that haven't yet, I pray, God, work in our hearts. May we be a family that's united working together to build your kingdom. So thank you. We're blessed. We're grateful. We commit to you the next years. Look forward to them. And we now sing in praise to you. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.